What's up, guys? And thanks for watching our Holiday Cartridge Talks series. We are excited to bring you our first ever limited edition Vortex Nation podcast hoodie. If you're watching on YouTube, it's the one I'm wearing right now. Now, we only made 99 of these things. So when they're gone, they are gone. Click the link in the description to get yours. Thanks again, and enjoy the show. What is up, everybody, and welcome back to our Holiday Cartridge Talk series. Ryan, and happy holidays to you. We're doing one of your wah-wah lead balloons. Mm. This is, oh, are we officially, this is, it's happening? Lead balloon? Oh. I mean, is this thing not a thing? Oh, 100% I mean, is it balloon. not a lead balloon? Definitely, yeah. Yep. Uh, which, as I was doing a little bit of research, as I like to do to try and play catch up with you, I like this thing. It's a really cool cartridge. So because we do lead balloons so infrequently, because Mark detests them, I want to walk folks into, because it's been months. Ryan, if we did them all the time, they wouldn't be such a treat. Right. A lead balloon is a commercial- That's like having candy every day. You know? A lead- you do have candy every day. I was going to no, say. No, I don't. Yeah, he does. He has candy. I'm nearly off the processed sugars. Wow. Ryan, continue. <laughs> A lead balloon is a, a commercially introduced cartridge that never hooked up. It never got the popularity, either that it deserved or that was intended. Yes, some rightfully so, but yes. others, you know, maybe it's an unfortunate reality that they yeah. didn't take off. And and sometimes we can speculate as to why that was the case, and sometimes it's like, well, obviously that wasn't going to work, mm-hmm. right? Uh, this is one of those examples of a cartridge that we can only speculate as to why it wasn't the case, and I believe it deserves more recognition than it gets for a few reasons. We were talking a little bit earlier, and I guess, you know, one thing that I liked about this, this is the OG short mag. I got that right. Commercial, anyway. Yeah. Yes. The the world wasn't ready. They weren't. I think there's, I think, okay, so we're talking about 350 Remington Magnum. There's two cartridges in the series. There's 6.5 Rem and 350 Rem. A tandem introduction. It's a a pretty powerful round. Like, Magnum is well-suiting for this thing, right? Uh, so 200 to 250 grain projectiles between 24, 2,500 on the high end of the weight to 2,700 on the low end of the weight. Like, it is no slouch. Medium game, big game. Think deer, elk, bear, moose, larger African plain species. If you were if we were in a pinch, or if you were hunting over there, I shouldn't say in a pinch, it would certainly do famously. I think a couple of things killed this round. Mark, you hit on it right away. The world wasn't ready, right? So mm-hmm. this is 1965. Mm-hmm. We have within within the 1960s decade already released cartridges like seven millimeter Remington Magnum, which is where this cartridge comes from. Two sixty four Winchester Magnum, another lead balloon. Three hundred Winchester Magnum. Yep. We are still seeing commonly utilized. Oh, and 338 Winchester Magnum. We're still seeing commonly utilized cartridges like 300 Holland and Holland, mm-hmm. um, which is the kind of parent for most of these. And so I think form factor was a big thing. People were inspired by these very large, voluminous, belted Magnum cases, and out pops this tiny guy. I mean, it's a short-action cartridge, mm-hmm. right? It still has a belt, which I think did some favors for it, perhaps, but it was little. Right. Yeah, yeah. Well, you and, and look at this compared to the seven, you know, rim mag, or yeah, seven rim mag that we played with the other day. Seven rim mag. And do we have those around? 
we have. Well, when you, we basically, have that when you look at it, I mean, the Seven Rim Meg is a uh, it's it's the Washington Monument to this thing's in fact. So like, here, here's a three hundred you know, for scale, right? Sure. Yeah. So I think maybe people were a little bit gun shy about it because they thought it was going to provide anemic performance, being as it's small. The second thing is the rifle that Remington re- released it in. I'm sorry. There are people out there that collect 600s, 660s, 673s, XP100s. Goofy. Just plain goofy. It sounds like it had an interesting bolt on it. Yeah, uh, they were weird. Yeah. yeah. What's what's the deal with them? Because, I mean, you know, it's most people, if you think about Remington bolt gun, obviously you think of the 700. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Um, so the 600 series guns gave us the Model 7, kind of. But it went a weird way of doing it. So they had like a reverse dogleg bolt. They had a ventilated rib like a shotgun would. They were a carbine, so they were a short, squat little rifle. And they're a darling gun. I mean, they're 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 cool. They have like an interesting, like, uh, you know, romantic niche that they're filling, I guess. Or, or it's just, it was the 60s, man. Yeah. We, we were, There's a lot going on. Yeah. We were just off of wings on Cadillacs, and, and we were starting to get into some Pretty cool-looking muscle cars. I'd say the idea being, though, like this is going to be a short, handy, hard-hitting yeah. brush gun, you know, shooting potentially big, yeah. big game yeah. and it, at, at close range. And it's exactly what it was, right? It, it filled the role perfectly, but God, was it ugly. Well, and it sounds like it had some fairly hellacious recoil oh, it's, associated with it. So lightweight, lightweight gun, short gun. Big cartridge. Big cartridge. Yeah. And I guess, okay, I'm going to put my mind in, in the person of that era Yeah. where I have a seven rim mag yeah. at my disposal. I can, I can pick one of those. I've got a 300 win mag. I yeah. can pick one of those. Or I could pick this 35 Remington or 350 Remington. And it's like, well, golly, if I'm going to put up with kind of this kind of recoil and a little, maybe potentially a bit of punishment, maybe I'll just get the 300. And probably do everything this is going to do, but I'm also going to really extend my effective range. Definitely. Definitely correct. I mean, I can just see a person weighing the options go, I'm just going to get one of these. Yeah. I I think then there's like a third piece to this, and that's the caliber. So 35 wasn't an eclectic cartridge at the time. The guns that were associated, I should say most of the guns that were associated with the 35 were low and slows. Like think Uh 351 self-loader. And that's, that's shade on a 35 351 self-loaders, a pretty anemic cartridge. Mm-hmm. 35 Remington, like the original. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lever gun cartridge, right? It's a it's a short, you know, that brush buster concept. And, and I think maybe people looked at that 35 and they just didn't get inspired. And Winchester had released the 338 Winchester Magnum just prior mm-hmm. um, in, in a gun called the Alaskan. And, and like that bore mm. diameter, people are like 338. That's how you kill big things. All of that, notwithstanding, looking at the cartridge and what it's doing, as I mentioned, you know, you're, you're into a, a 200 to 210 grain bullet at 26, 2700, uh, 250 up to 2400. Looking at some performance values, so 350 Remington Magnum. This is from the Nosler load book here, uh, most recent. Max velocity on a 225 partition, which is a, a really mean bullet. Shooting a, a pretty spicy powder, W748, for, for those of you who are out there loading it, 2,700 feet per second. And that's spicy. 
I that mean, is spicy. a 225 that's, going at 27. Yeah. That's from a 22-inch test barrel. So it's it's pretty oh, short. Yeah. Let right? me uh, let me say this. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I live in Alaska. Yep. Uh, predominantly fishing. Yep. And I want to carry a rifle that pushes a big pill that's also short and handy because yep. I don't really plan on I want it easy to carry. It's literally for bear protection. Yep. I could see this being a viable option. Dang right. Is it? Because like I feel like... Uh, was the problem perhaps that this was kind of in a in a tweener ground though? Because a lot of people, when they talk about that t- that kind of gun you're talking about, Mark, mm-hmm. forty five seventy comes to mind as well. Kind of even bigger pills yet. Bigger, yes, but it, uh, more I mean, effective, debatably, right? So at the time, forty five seventy was nearly dead, which is interesting to think about that because is weird. yes, and the offerings that were out there paled in comparison from a horsepower perspective. Yes, inspiring. You pick up this giant voluminous cartridge. It's got a big rim on it, big 45 caliber bullet. But from like a lethality perspective, the 350 is def- definitely a better proposition. I want, I'm going to make a note on the 350. So again, 22-inch test barrel from the Nosler folks, 59 grains of Winchester 748 powder. We turn the page back a few calibers, and we go to the 338 Win Mag. Same weight bullet, 225 partition. 24-inch test barrel, we got to jump up to 71.5 grains to appreciate 182 feet per second with two inches of additional barrel. Hmm, and so wow. when we're looking at efficiency, the 350 is kind of taking it, right? So it's it's not the same performance value. 180 feet per second is significant. It is significant. Right? Correct. Is that You said that was the same powder? Different powder. There, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I was wondering because D- it, it just it wouldn't add up if we are using the same powder. Right. This is IMR forty three fifty max charge seventy one and a half grains, right? Uh, twenty eight hundred and eighty two feet per second out of a twenty four inch tube. So does that stand to reason that like if we extend the barrel length on a three fifty rem mag, we appreciate the same performance values or nearly similar identical performance values as as the three thirty eight is doing? And I think yeah, we're we're in the ballpark. Interesting and, thing uh, to think about. And we're doing it with a smaller case. So right out of the gate, <laughs> we're in a really goofy vehicle to carry the cartridge, right? The the 600 series guns and and the XP100, which is a pistol, single shot pistol. You know, silhouette shooting and handgun hunting was kind of getting hot and and that was a viable offering, I, I guess. What a handful to shoot. I can't imagine. I'd be terrible. No, that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. So basically lead balloon status out of the gate, short commercial life. Reintroduction in the 700 series, and then later a gun called the 673 Guide Gun, um, which I actually sold for a little while. That was, it was a retro throwback. It was just as goofy, um, <laughs> but it was a Model 7. Hey, you know what didn't work? Yeah. Let's, Let's do, do that again. Yeah. I, so we'll call it retro. They sold like like hotcakes, I think, because they were limited, and that it was, I mean, it was a really eclectic gun. It was but yeah. they called it a guide gun. Yeah. See, I think that's kind of, it's the marketing and stuff yep. too. I mean, you said that uh, who was it who came out with the three thirty eight and they called it the Alaskan? Or uh, it was like the model seventy. Yep. Yeah. And so it's like when you see that. I mean, part of the reason why I said brought up forty five seventy earlier was because there's that uh, Alaskan lever gun chambered in forty five seventy, and so right. I see that I'm like, well, naturally, that's what all the Alaskans use. Absolutely. It's in the name. Yep. Yep. That's... And you know, so if you. It, Marketing can play a big role, which we've seen many times in, yeah. in the firearms industry oh, yeah. history with like the, uh, I mean, the classic one that everybody says around here all the time is the Coralock Deadliest Mushroom in the Woods. Yep. 
You'll I never mean, forget just, it. You'll never forget it yeah, when you right. hear it. And sometimes you just, why'd you buy that? I bought it because the name. Yeah. It's got to say it on the box. <laughs> <laughs> but, and then also in the 700 CDLs, there was an addition year of the 350 rim mag um, and a couple other little inserts here and there, but it never hooked up. Never hooked up. Cool cartridge in that it can be wildcatted quite well. Um, what do you mean by that? So it, it's a like great... Like you use it as a basis to oh, make yeah. something else? It, of which there is a large smattering of these uh, out there. Um, some of the cooler ones that, that uh, I've, I've read on, I've never got to handle them because 350 in itself is pretty scarce. There's a 9.3 version, which allows it to be utilized in some countries in Africa that have like a minimum bore diameter. Um, it's also a, a heck of a bullet diameter. Yeah. Um, a 375. Um, there's a 338, a 30, a 7. Of course, there was a commercial 65. Yeah, we didn't. You, I was curious about that one. Did, was that also lead balloon status? Oh, definitely. Around? Really? Yeah. Same, yeah. And kind of for the same reasons yeah. and such. Yeah. Yeah. 6.5 rem mag did everything a 264 Winchester Magnum did in a smaller package, but a goofier gun. And mm. I think it just shot itself in the foot, which That's is a shame. a shame. It is a, a really, really neat cartridge problem with it today is there's like zip for components like nothing and and so this is a where'd you, bar, where'd you get this one? from from joey no kidding our, huh? our good friend joey yep and joey i know you listen to this and thank you for coming in clutch with a 350 ram mag put it on my desk and said thanks man big time so you you can't get brass readily um i think nosler and norma were the last folks and then when remington of course was still loading the ammunition was like really the only source uh, take a gander on Gunbroker and just search for 350 rem mag. Uh, stuff's going for 100 to 150 bucks a box. Whoa. Yes. So at this point, if you're thinking about getting a 350 rem mag, you're either making brass or you have a supply of it and um, you're going to covet it. What would you make it out of though? You take a seven rem mag seven case rem and mag then you can start, do, yeah. start okay. chopping and. Problem is, you're likely going to need to be neck turning to get rid of some of the meat at the case. Uh, to get the neck thickness right, and it's it's going to be a bit of a it's going to be a bit of a process. Yeah, it'll all depend on the on the brass that you're using uh, when you start, and then your your individual chamber. But it is a fine cartridge. It is a fine cartridge. It is. Uh, it's a very short cartridge that is doing a lot. A lot. Um, the original, the original short. Man. The original. Well, short what do you, how do you compare it actually, to that? From an efficiency standpoint, very, I look at this yeah. and I go, "This is an efficient, smart cartridge." Yeah. Talk about it compared to the so, short mag, like a Wisdom, for instance. So there is a three fifty eight short mag Wildcat, and it's it's bringing more to the table, and we would expect it to. But like, if you stack it bullet weight for bullet weight next to a Wisdom, they're very similar, right? The the Wisdom's gonna be better in some respects, right? If you're if you're pushing a, a 225 grain bullet out of a wisdom, that's going to be a tough sell because that bullet's going to be really long. It's going to be chewing up the case capacity. I mean, probably like a max of 200 is what you might see. Out yeah, of that, right? right. And you're going to see appreciably a little bit more velocity out of the wisdom, but they're not far off. They mm-hmm. they really mm-hmm. aren't. And if if you were to take this thing and neck it down to 30, you'd come you'd come dangerously close to identical performance to a, a 300 win mag in, in comparable bullet weights if you got clever with barrel length and how you see to the projectile. Okay, interesting. Which which could complicate the original design intent, right? So it's a short cartridge, fits in a short magazine, 
and that's an important note, right? So mm-hmm. if, if we're seating the bullet way out on his toenails and now we're going from a Model 7 length action into like a, a 700 long action, like are we defeating the purpose? I don't know. But it, I mean, I see where you're going. Yeah, there. it's a darling cartridge for its intended use. I mean, it is an absolute hammer of a round. And if you're somebody who loves like a 35 Whalen, it does 35 Whalen things in a smaller gun. Yeah, that, I mean, that's yeah. would, that would probably be its closest cousin. Yeah. And then if if you like three fifty eight Winchester, it it handily kicks that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Ryan, you were talking about some of the uh, you know attempted reintroduction reintroduct reintroductions. Good job. There you go. Nice. Did I get it? Yep. Finally. Yeah. Finally, um, a lot of syllables in there. Term, sure. <laughs> and uh, then you know comparing it to the the WSMs. Yeah. You know, one of those introductions, boy, that's a tough one today, was the early two thousands. When kind of what I would call WSM mania kicked up, hit, yeah. and I think they saw the traction those cartridges were getting, uh, the press those cartridges were getting. I'd have to imagine they said, "Well, we already got one of these. Let's throw it out there. Let's dust this off from the '60s." Still didn't work. No, hate to see it. It's and again, you know, we've talked about shooting culture and how the pendulum swings. Who did it serve? And like when I think about the cartridge, like who's the guy or gal that's running this? I'm thinking like Northwoods, Maine, Northwoods, Michigan, Northwoods, Minnesota, Northwoods, Wisconsin, black bears, moose. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of the shooter that's got elk and heavy timber and riding a horse and wearing a flannel. And yeah. sure. And that kind of nostalgic view went away with introductions of cartridges. Like you said, the wisdom, the rum, Mm-hmm. Uh, and and now the Nas cartridges. Now when I'm trying to paint the picture of that shooter, it's a highly technical rifle. We're lo- not likely to shoot it very far, but it can shoot very far. It's paired with a, an extremely adept rifle scope, advanced range finders. Like I hate to say it, but there's there's no more room at the party for a round like this and a hunter like that. I disagree with it, right? Well, okay. Here here's and I kind of touched on this before. Yeah. Why not have both? Oh, well, I agree with with that, right? I like this cartridge. If if there was a, a viable source of, of materials to make it happen, I could talk myself into ownership of one mm-hmm. as, as a really neat, like black bear, moose, oh, yeah. deer in the Northwoods round. It's just something like awesome about it, right? Right. But it doesn't fit a lot of the modern, uh, I guess, Concepts. Do you have a 308 over there on the rack? Well, we got P mags full of them over there. Yeah, somewhere, yeah. Mark, uh, here's a 308 Winchester. I just kind of want to put that next to it just for. Oh, wow. They are identical, the same length. Uh, identical COA. Loaded. And that, that, was, that was the idea. Larger body on the, on the 350 because it is based off of that belted magnum, that, mm-hmm. that H&H profile just cut down and reshaped and redone. It's a dang shame. It, it it is, and partially because of what you just said, yeah. like that uh, that era, that that picture that I have that lives in my head yeah. of that style of hunting of that hunter. You hate to see that kind of be a thing of the past. I know it, right? It's kind of coming back, though. It well, is. Well, is little, it coming back bit. for the right reasons? Like I think it's coming back it, for I feel like just to be a YouTube sensation. You I, know, correct. I. F- me personally, I like hunting with old guns. 
because you live one time, you might as well have fun. Mark and I were just having this conversation the other day, yesterday. You might as well. Ryan was trying to talk me out of. Well, okay. Now, this is it's you know what? Well, somewhat it's a, tangential. It's a, it's a tangential, and we'll cover that down the road. Yeah. I like hunting with old guns because it's interesting. I'm not going to say it's more challenging necessarily because certainly if I had a telescopic weapon sight atop a 350 Remington Magnum and there was a mule deer at 300 yards, he'd be in tough shape, right? And I'm not, I'm not trading really any modern performance, mm-hmm. okay? Because it's kind of the same thing. But there's just something about it. I mean, there's something neat about grabbing this piece of obscure history Going out with it onto the landscape and then shooting something with it, and then you look and you're kind of more, you're like more proud of it, I guess. I don't know, um, and, I, and I enjoy that, and that's why I like taking out old lever guns or old single shots and doing stuff like that. And I mean, Eric took his great grandfather's mm-hmm. rig mm-hmm. out. Same thing. He was he was more excited to hunt with that than anything, and I think that still exists to this day. Whether or not it's a novelty or like you said, it's a hey yeah. look at me kind of thing. I don't know. I just yeah. I like to do it because too I think much it's of that. It's just kind of our past and our history, and and maybe I'll say even particularly as hunters, right? When you do something like that, and I'd say the closest thing that I've done would be like hunt with like an open sided muzzleloader. Sure. There, you feel that connection. Sure. Uh, 100%. I think it's because you, you can feel it. It have, is there. You have to be more conscious of what's going on because I feel like I think about it in the shop or something like that, or even um, like I enjoy drawing. It's like, you know, whatever it is, you buy tools to do things. And if they're modern, new tools, you buy them, you're like, this will accomplish a task. I'll do the task with it, whatever. Oh, it broke. I can get a million others. But as soon as you use something that's old, you're so much more consciously aware of it. Like if I use my grandpa's old drawing kit, yep. like, the way I open it is different because I, you know, the way that mm-hmm. I, I, every time I do something with it, I'm thinking about how would he have done it? Or if you have, you know, like an old tool, as you use it, you're just thinking more consciously about it. And so when you have an older gun out, I feel like you just take it in more because you're not taking anything for granted. You're like, this is old, obscure, hard to come by now. I need to enjoy this because you can't just break it and then go to the store and just buy another one. Yep. It's rare. It has a different level of value. It has, a, it has, you know, a different history to it than, yeah. the, you know, the one you'd buy off the rack right now. Well, that's why that's um, why old stuff has different... That's why old stuff gets expensive mm-hmm. again, because people start to appreciate it again. Right. You know, it's just it's just like, wow, I miss that, you know, and I can't just go and get it anymore, so I have to, you know, it's, it becomes more valuable and all, yeah. Well, and, and when you use it, too, like, well, like you know, whatever, like grandpa's old 3030 or whatever, and it still has the open sights on it. I mean... Still smells get, like them. Yep. You get... Like that window into the past too. Like yeah. your experience. You're like ah, oh, this is what it was like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. When this is all you had. Yep. Yep. God, it's fun. I don't know. Yeah. I just. I think that's. And you know cool. what the best part is? God dang it! They still kill critters. They do. Well. Mm-hmm. And Jim, you know, you were talking about well, when you get something new, you don't care about it. That's why Grandpa's thirty thirty. He used like a hammer. Maybe he possibly used it for a hammer. Yep. It has all the scars and the stocks. And you're like, why? This thing's so amazing. I can't believe you beat the heck out of it. It's because you, yeah, you used it like it, a tool yeah. as it was intended yeah. at the time. At one point, it was the new thing. You wonder like, what's going to be the cool thing that we own now that our kids are going to appreciate someday. Oh, I think you it's going to be like, the 308 Winchester. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm just thinking about what? guns, too. Like, I, I, don't do. think, I don't think my kids are going to give a flying rip about any of my ARs. Like, I think they're... I, but maybe they will, but at the same time, I feel like they'll look at them and be like, oh, well, you know, cool, more Tupperware. But yeah. like, 
I don't know. My hope is, Jim, they have the same level of excitement that I get when I see a first run Glock. You open that. Um, oh yeah. yeah. It's just a, it's an interesting piece of history. You're right. That is interesting. But you're 100% right. That's a, that's a fun thing to noodle on. If we can earmark this, when I said I think the 308 Winchester, many years down the road, people are like, they used to hunt deer with that thing. Can you believe that? Low and slow like that? I don't think that'll be – I think people will be continue to be like, yeah, this is great. For oh, my, my hope is is that we, we shift the, the focus of, of cartridges and selections thereof – Two cartridges like the 308 Winchester because I believe it's the most versatile cartridge there ever was ever, and it can do everything. Yeah, this a difficult. We got sideways. To, I mean, we were talking a little bit about that yeah. just yesterday, which is interesting because we've done some of our cartridge comparisons and we came. We're like, oh no, the 6.5 Creed, you know, because of this, this, and this. But you just like sometimes we set these parameters and you go, okay, this is the outcome, and then in your heart you're like, well, that's not what I think. Correct. Mostly correct every time. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll tell you, you stack the old 350 rem mag up against anything else modern. It's like an old boxer, you know. He might not look like he did when he was in his prime, but God dang it, <laughs> he'll still punch I in the face. Wanna, I don't want to mess around. He's got that old man strength. Yep. When instinct kicks back in. Yep. Yeah, he's got that old man strength. I want to know if anybody's out there still chasing critters with 350 Remington Magnum. Magnum. Who's out there slopping the hogs with it? Belted Magnum. Yeah. Belted Short Mag. Yeah. That's what this nah, thing that's is. That's pretty neat. It's a belted Short Mag. I think if they would have called it that, it might have done even better. Belted. Yeah. That's what they should have done when they inter- They should have really emphasized mag. that uh, during the Short Mag craze. Yeah. It's which is still belt. going for some people. It's a, got a belt. It's a belted Short Mag. Extra. It's got another ring of power. That. Cool. Yeah. 350 Rem Mag. All right. Like you said, I think this was... This was a gosh, it's escaping me. Uh, this was a listener request, though. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Got, I'm nearly, yeah. nearly. No, I've seen, it? I've seen that comment coming. Um, so uh, on the original list of 34 different metallic centerfire cartridges that you requested nearly a thousand days ago for lead balloons, you know, it was on you, the list. Why do you have to bring that up? Just to um, remind people that, like Ryan said, do you have one? Do you use it? Is it just an absolute hammer? What gun do you have it in? Mm-hmm. Let us know. We want to hear about it. The yeah. 350 Remington Magnum. What a fun one. I like this, guys. Perfect. All right. Thanks, every, everybody, for listening. Happy holidays. Uh, we'll catch you on the next one. See Bye. you. Bye.